If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 22. Acts 22, I love this chapter. Remember last week we left you hanging? Because the last word of Acts 21 is saying, comma. And what happened was, prior to this chapter, Paul had been apprehended by the Jews violently um, because he had come back to Jerusalem. Remember all the prophetic words he was receiving? Don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to be bound there. There's, there's, it's going to be bad news for you. But he was, no pun intended, bound and determined to go uh, because he wanted to be there for Pentecost. And Paul got there and he showed up at the temple. Actually, he showed up to James originally, Pastor James. And James told him, he said, there's a lot of information about you out there that they're telling you, they're saying that you are telling the Jews, especially those that are out amongst the Gentiles, to abandon the law and abandon the Ju- Judaism in and of itself. We know that's not true, so what we want you to do is take these four guys who have already taken a vow, you guys all go shave your heads, and you, thank God we don't have to do all that. I'm just glad to be a Gentile. And, uh, and, and you do all things according to purification. You can read about these kinds of things in Leviticus Deuteronomy, Exodus, all that had to do with the law, all the ceremonial laws and all those kinds of things. So Paul did it, took their advice, and he said, and then they'll know that you are still practicing Judaism and you're, you're cool, all right? So he goes, to the, they go, he goes to the temple. Well, guess what? James' advice didn't really work out all that well for Paul because they, they said, there he is. This is the guy that's stirring up all the trouble and telling us to abandon our tradition. So they drag him out of the temple, slam the door shut, and they're beating him in the streets. So then Paul, or then these uh, Roman centurions come in and they, they grab Paul and they get him out from this angry mob and they begin to walking up, walk him up these stairs up to these barracks to protect him and, and to figure out what in the heck is going on because one side was saying one thing and one side was saying another. So there was confusion and the commander of the army could not surmise the truth from what was going on. So as Paul was going up the stairs, remember what he said, can I speak to the people? And so he did, the people were quiet the moment they heard Paul speaking in the Hebrew tongue, and this is what he begins to say in Acts chapter 22 and verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel. You say Gamaliel, I say Gamaliel. Let's call the whole thing off taught according to the strictness of our Father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. Now, I want you to understand something about sitting at the feet of this guy named Gamaliel or Gamaliel. He was a most revered teacher of his time. And Paul basically received a private education under this revered teacher. So this teaches us about Paul's upbringing. He was brought up in a very wealthy, very well-to-do family, And so only kids with special treatment got to go sit at a guy's feet like this, all right? So Paul was brought up uh, under this man's teaching according to the strictness of the law or the exactness, if you will. Uh, He taught him accurately from the law, and Paul knew it from front to back. Uh, This guy taught some of the best young scholars of his time according to Jewish tradition. He knew the Jewish law and prophecy, both of which were uh, enhanced by his own wisdom and uh, his teaching was so abroad that he insisted, insisted that his students also study 
the Greek poets. He was, uh, Gamaliel was not like any of these, all these other guys. He was really a man with reason, with truth and reason. And so he, also, he taught them, he said, you need to expand your learning besides just this and take in some of some culture, some literature. So he told them to learn Greek poetry. And it's kind of interesting that later on in Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 17, Paul shows up in Athens. Do you remember when he saw all of those gods there? And he, he saw the inscription to the unknown God, and he took upon himself to preach the gospel, to tell them who the unknown God was, being Jesus. And remember that at one time he quoted, he said, even as one of your poets has said, in him we live and move and have our being. Well, J Paul was referring that to Jesus, but he was quoting one of those Greek poets because that's something that he had learned uh, from childhood. And uh, so when it came for time for the Sanhedrin to... Uh, to appoint a chief investigator about this resurrection, this news of this man who was raised from the dead, they appointed none other than Saul of Tarsus. And he was given these credentials that were authorizing him to do what was necessary to resolve this, this controversy. And in Israel, there is a place, it's interesting, there's a place called Bet Gamaliel, and, uh, which mean, Bet means house, like Bethlehem, house of bread. Bet Gamaliel. And to this day, uh, they believe that this is where Gamaliel's home was, his whole estate. And on that estate, there is a plaque there today that says, Buried here, Stephen and Nicodemus. So it's a very good chance that somewhere along the way, Gamaliel gave his life to Christ. Now, wouldn't it be interesting? Now, we don't have any history to tell us this happened. But wouldn't it be interesting that this young scholar who sat at his feet and learned all the ways of the law would later come back and preach the grace of Christ to his very teacher, for him to be converted. Uh, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary thought and quite probable. Um, certainly interesting. Verse 4 of Acts 22. Let's go back there. I persecuted, Paul's standing, giving his, his defense. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, and also the high priest bears me witness. And all the counsel of the elders from whom I received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the first time we see this story is in Acts chapter 9 where, it, where it, the experience happened, and now he's reliving, he's retelling that amazing experience. And what I, I every time I read this, it, it just... I don't know, it just touches me because of what Jesus said to him. Some very gracious things about Jesus, and, and, and it helps us understand how Jesus sees us as his church. Jesus did not say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? He made us who were dead in our sins, according to Ephesians, he made us alive with him. This is not just a euphemism that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ in the earth. Are you hearing me? In other words, we are him in the earth. As he is, how are we? So are we in this world. If someone, if someone pinches your arm, most of the time you don't say, ouch, you pinched my arm. You say, ouch, you pinched me because that's part of you. You take that personally. Jesus takes it personally. Let me say this to you tonight. He takes it personally when you're mistreated. All right? Because he feels like he's mistreated. Because in his eyes, 
you and him are one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 is he, says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. This is how closely connected to God you are tonight. That ought to bless you tonight. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? He says, verse 8, so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Again, here's Jesus showing us his stance. Think about it. He's calling down. This light shines down from heaven. Jesus is speaking to him from the sky, and he says, I am from that dusty little town called Nazareth. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say, I'm Jesus of the throne of grace. I'm Jesus of heaven. He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth because he wants us to know that he totally identifies with us as people. Hallelujah. Verse 9, and those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus, and, th and you, there you will be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. Verse 11, and since I could not see for the glory of that light, since I could not see for the glory of that light. Isn't it interesting? The other guy saw the light too, but it didn't blind them. It's like he got the laser part of the light, the glory of the glory. They saw it. They didn't hear the voice. But he heard that voice, and it blinded him. But for this young man who was already blind, this is, this is really God showing him his blindness and him naturally experiencing this. Because don't, remember, Paul was not against God, or so he thought. I like the way one guy said it. He said, Paul was pro-God, but anti-Christ. And how many of you know that that don't work all, all that well? All right? But he really was. He was zealous for God. He was zealous for the law. He was zealous for Israel, for the nation of Israel. And he really thought he was doing the right thing. All right? Killing many people, having them put to death. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was doing it for God. But he was blind. He was blind to the truth. That Jesus did not come into the world to destroy, to condemn. He came that all would be free. Amen? So he's blind from this light. Being led by the hand of those who are with me, I came into Damascus. Verse 12, then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwell there, came to me and he stood and told me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you. Hallelujah. The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Now, throughout this, this whole book, there are instances where Jesus does appear to Saul, and he literally sees him, but he only sees Jesus who has been resurrected. That's the advantage that Paul had over the other 12 disciples. He only saw Jesus resurrected. Hallelujah. In through the eyes of grace. For you, uh, verse 15, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard, and know and now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, I, I want to interject something here for just a moment because we read about this experience on the road to Damascus, like I said, in chapter 9. And now we see it again in detail. Luke is writing this book, and he lays it out again, Paul's testimony, in chapter 22. When we get to chapter 26, guess what we're going to find? We're going to find this story yet again. Now, you would think Dr. Luke would just kind of brush over the story, especially by the time he gets to chapters 26. 
yeah, you should know the story by now. I've written it out twice in great detail. But he makes sure to tell the story yet again. Paul's testimony is three times in the book of Acts. Why is that? Because God wants us to know something, that our story, our testimony, our conversion is extremely important. And it needs to be told. And it needs to be told again. And it needs to be told again. And it needs to be told again. I mean, you would think Luke would just say, refer to chapter 9. You know what I'm talking about. No, he lays it out again so that you'll remember the story, so that you'll know the story. And that you need to be, tell your story so that others can relate. This, that's the most powerful way that you can present the gospel is just tell about what happened to you. Amen? Never minimize your story. Never minimize your I used to. I used to think I didn't have much of a testimony. I was raised in church all my life. I don't even really remember my salvation experience. I would hear people talk about the moment it happened, you know. It was 9.30 at night. It was stars in the sky. The wind was blowing from the southeast. I was down on my knees. The carpet was red. I mean, I'm like, maybe I didn't get saved, man. That's vivid. It's incredible. My parents told me that I came home one night from a kid's crusade, and I told them that I'd, got, I'd received Christ in my heart, me and my brother both, five and four years old. So I, I guess it stuck. But, but as I'm growing up, as I'm growing up, I'm thinking, well, that's not really all that splendid. That, that, you know, that, should I tell people that? I don't even remember when I got saved. That's how much it impacted my life. I just never felt like I had a real good story, right? Even being baptized in the Spirit. Don't even remember when I started speaking in tongues. I mean, how weird is that? Because that is a weird experience. I mean, most everybody remembers that for sure. I totally remember when I spoke in tongues. Oh, my God. Right? I don't remember it. I was raised in it. I think I was born, born again and speaking in tongues. I think it just happened like that. Now, I do remember the day I was called to preach. I remember that vividly. That was, that was an interesting day. You've heard me tell that story. But all I'm saying is your story is important, and, and you can talk to people on all kinds of levels. And God, God saves us at various times in our lives, and we come to him, and he takes that story, and he can relate it to other people who are maybe in the same boat as you are or maybe having the same experience or maybe, maybe strayed as far as you did and found out there was still hope. All right? The fact is, the truth is, no matter what happened, we all had to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, whether we were born in a Christian home or not. We all still had to make the same decision. We all had to believe by ourselves that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead three days later. And I believe that what he did for me is all I need to receive heaven, everlasting life, and a new relationship with God. All right? So tell your story. Look at your neighbor. Tell them. Tell your story. Come on. Tell them like you, you're really telling them. Tell your story. Make it a regular habit. Verse 17, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. Here's one of those moments right here where he sees Jesus. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here 
to the Gentiles. And this is the part in the story. If it were a movie, this is where the music goes dark. Bum, bum, bum. I will send you to the Gentiles. Bum, bum, bum. Because look what they did. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Wow. So they're listening to this amazing story about this dramatic conversion. I mean, dramatic, pretty forceful conversion, wasn't it? Jesus, whoa! And Paul's knocked off his animal and he's blind. I mean, that, that's incredible, right? So I'm sure that they're all listening attentively to him and, and, and hearing his, his whole experience and, and the kinds of things he was doing to destroy what they hated. And now he comes to this place where this Jesus who called down from heaven now gives him this new commission. That is, go to the Gentiles. And the Jews said, that's not God. That's insanity. We were right about you. You're trying to destroy who we are. Take this message to the Gentiles, the pagan dogs. How they thought. They listened to him until this word. No one even batted an eye as Paul laid out his story. They even listened to him. They knew who Jesus of Nazareth was. They're the ones that crucified him. They knew that there, were this, there was this little insurrection talking about a, a resurrection. So all these who had an argument were at the mercy of, of the man with the experience until, until he said that he was going to the Gentiles. Then they were done listening. And they went berserk. Look at verse 23. This is what they did. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, <laughs> the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. So this is the way that they get information the, uh, the, the centurions, the way they got information from you is they would beat it out of you is what they'd do. With that Roman flagellum, that instrument of torture, the very thing that was laid on Christ's back, they prepared Paul to receive that very same scourging. And as they were beating him, he was going to interrogate him and get the truth out of him. Why, why is this going on? Why are you bringing such a stir here? All right? So they bring him into the barracks. This is awesome. Verse 25, and as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Now, Paul introduced himself to the commander as a Jew from Tarsus. He didn't say anything about his Roman citizenship at that moment, all right? His first thing was, I'm a Jew from Tarsus. He, he did tell the Jews that he was born there in, earlier in this chapter. He told them that he was born in Tarsus, but remember he told them that in the Hebrew tongue. There's a good chance the commander didn't understand what he was saying there. And it's logical that the commander would assume that if Paul was a Roman citizen that he would definitely have expressed that right up front. He would have said something about that. And so uh, uh, at some point in, in their encounter anyway, and there's been a lot of question regarding why Paul did not express his Roman citizenship right up front with his commander, uh, but told him that he was a Jew from Tarsus. And I believe that Paul mentions 
his uh, Jewish heritage at this point to state that he would have uh, been allowed to be in the temple. Remember, that this is where they drug him out of. So he's telling this commander, I'm a Jew. I, I have every right to be in that temple. All right? But he's not so quick to say, I'm a Roman citizen. Why is that? Because of the rumor about him that he's been defiling the temple by bringing Greeks into there. So if he says that this guy's a Roman centurion, he only stirs up the crowd even more. So it makes sense that Paul was very careful with his words at this moment until he can get out of earshot of this violent crowd and then to talk to this commander. All right? Everybody all right out there? So he waits for this opportune time to express this to them. And remember in Acts chapter 16 that he, he let them beat him? Remember us talking about that when he and Silas came into Philippi and they set that girl free from, from the demons, uh, cast the devil out of her, and then and then they, they imprisoned them, and the Scripture says they beat them just like this. They beat, the Romans beat them. And Paul didn't say anything about his Roman citizenship there. Poor Silas got drugged right into that with him. Paul could have, told, could have just said, no, I'm a Roman citizen, and they would have had to back away. But he's let them beat them. But the reason was is because he had just opened up that church there in Philippi. So Paul knew, this, I'm telling you, this guy, is, he's a man of opportunity. And he, and he uses this against the, the, uh, the Romans now, knowing that they've beat a Roman citizen uncondemned. They've beat him without having a trial, which is illegal for them to do. He actually has the right to do the, have the very same thing done to them or even crucifixion. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He just makes sure that they know that he knows so that they would never persecute that church as long as it was there in Philippi. And he was willing to take the beating to have the upper hand for that church to thrive. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to pastor that church. Sometimes it feels like a beating, but most of the time it's a joy. When the centurion heard that, look, he went and told the commander, saying, take care of what you do, for this man is a Roman. Verse 27. Then the commander came to him and said, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. I was born here. I was, this man had to, and, and that, there were a few ways to get Roman citizenship. And one of them was pay large sums of money. Um, but Paul, being a Roman citizen, could go all over the world, travel all over the world. But they had this one right. This one right was... If they said they're a Roman citizen, they would never have to endure a scourging, ever. Completely exempt from it. So he uses this to his advantage. Three years ago, Daniel Plowman and I were in India, and we uh, had been invited to go to this school where this, this young man by the name of Solomon, about 28 years old, and he was teaching these Indians, uh, English. And he would do an eight-week crash course with eight weeks they could learn English. Can you imagine that? And, and that he, he, he's a pastor's son, and so what they did, he started this school so that he could fund the ministry, fund his dad's ministry. And, but he also used it as a platform to preach the gospel because he had Hindus and Muslims and Christians all alike in here. So he would teach them English, and he would teach them scriptures, and he would teach them the gospel and teaching them English. It's really awesome. So he heard that these Americans were there, and so he called for us to come. Uh, and, and already, Daniel and I had been preaching a ton. I mean, 
all day long at these conferences and then at these night meetings. And so this, this was uh, the second to the last day there. And Daniel had done most of the teaching that day at the conference. And so we're on our way there. We never know what we're coming into in an experience like this. Uh, and so he looks over at me. He goes, you're preaching tonight. I'm done today. I said, okay. So we, we get to this place, and, um, and it's upstairs. And so we come in, and the young man, Solomon, greets us. And, and uh, to show their, their hospitality, they always have, like, bananas and little wafers and, and hot tea. So he has us sit down, banana chips and stuff like that. So we sit down, and he's feeding us this stuff. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here tonight. And uh, he said, now, our power is not on right now, which is pretty common in India. Just power just go off. And uh, he said, so when it comes on, We'll have you come and, and teach. And it was so hot. I mean, it was so hot. And we sat there and we thought, okay, when is this going to happen? An hour goes by. And we are, we are totally worn out. We just want to go back to the hotel and maybe call it a night. But this guy was so happy to have us there because we were Americans uh, that, you know, I thought, let's just let's endure it. And finally, the power kicked on, and he takes us back. And this is out in the front area. We actually had a window that was open, so we had a little bit of breeze. And then we went back in this room that was so small and tight, and it was jam-packed with these Indians. And, uh, I mean, sweltering hot. So he has these chairs up in the front. I mean, I could almost touch knee to knee with this first row of students here. And, uh, and then they have to go through this whole introduction thing, and then they, they, one of the big things they do, how many pieces of material do I have where we've been over, you go to, go to a certain place and then have like this little piece of material or something, and they want to wrap it around you and, you know, they just make a big deal. It's really sweet, very honoring. But we knew once we sat down, okay, here we go. We've got to go through all this introduction first. And corn was sweat. And so they get us all introduced and honored and all that. And then, uh, and then he, intro- he introduces us, and then, and then Daniel says, he's preaching. So, so he says, okay. So I come up to this lectern, and all of a sudden these bright lights come on in the room. And I can't even see what's going on, and it's so hot. And then the bright lights are even hotter. I'm like, what is this? And then I see, I can finally make out behind us some silhouettes of some guys that have these cameras. So they walk in with these cameras, and he says, he says we're so honored to have these ministers from America here tonight. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a great night for us because we're televising starting tonight. And it's going to be all over this area. People are going to be able to tune in on TV and watch. I'm like, are you kidding me? So these guys are in there, these big old camera bright lights. Oh, Lord. And so I preached to the students. We had a great time. Then they had a little graduation ceremony. And then they all wanted to touch me and Daniel. They got all around us, and they, they wanted to take a picture. The way they say, can we take a picture, they say, can we click a snap? Can we click a snap? Click a snap. So they're clicking snaps, clicking snaps. And just wearing us plumb out. But it was great. And then I... We're walking outside, and I had this overwhelming joy and appreciation come over me. And I just stopped for a moment. I said, God, why, why did you allow me to experience something so wonderful? I don't know why you're so good, but I really appreciate this moment. And, you know, how, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Well, I think God was in it, but, but according to them, it's because we were American. And that's all they needed to know. Let me tell you something. Wherever you are, your location, wherever you're from, God can use that to your advantage. God can use it at the right time, at the opportune time. You just say, God, use me however you see fit. 
because you will be able to reach people that nobody else could reach. You can open doors just like that by just saying where you're from. Are you hearing me? It opens up, it endears people to you. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know that God uses interesting ways because he loves people and he's willing to do anything to reach people and to bless you. This blessed Paul, didn't it? Not having to take that beating. Why? Because he was a Roman citizen. He, it gave him the opportunity to miss out on that experience. God will and can, can and will use your location, your upbringing, your connections to your advantage and to further his great cause. Never underestimate where you're from or where you are. Verse 26, when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, take care what you do, for this man is a Roman citizen. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. Verse 28, the commander answered with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. And now we're going to get into where Paul begins to, be, uh, to have audience with kings. This is really powerful, powerful time in Paul's ministry and his life. Uh, but can, can we bow our heads for a moment? Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence. God, thank you for this faithful, faithful family of mine who come on Wednesday nights to dig deeper into the Scripture, Lord. Lord, to have another experience in your presence and with your people. We thank you for the rich fellowship that is the church. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that abounds to us. That as we gather corporately here, there's something special that happens that we don't get individually. There's a strength that we find in numbers. There's a strength that we find in agreement with our brothers and sisters, God. We thank you, Lord, for, for the preaching of the Word. The Word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In this atmosphere, God, I believe that faith has come tonight to your people. And, Lord, that it will be another opportunity for them to grow that faith that they have received tonight by your Word. Lord, we thank you that as we receive faith, Lord, so we release it by our confession of faith. We thank you, God, that faith is not inactive. It, is, it has a voice. It has our voice. That if we declare the kingdom of God on the earth, we declare your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord, we get what we say because our words carry weight. Because we speak as you are, so are we in this world. We thank you, Lord, that our words change our atmosphere. We thank you, Lord, that faith in God is the victory that overcomes the world. Father, I thank you for all these who are gathered here from all walks of life. We all have this thing in common, though. We need, we need the grace of God in our life. It's what brings us together. It's the cause of Christ. It's his message that totally changed our lives and continues to change us. In that message, there is unlimited power. I thank you, Father, for your healing power flowing in this place tonight. Those that came in here tonight suffering from any kind of sickness, any kind of weakness, any kind of pain, I declare by your stripes, they are healed. Right now. Right now they're healed. Those who came in here with lack, 
those who came in here under financial duress. Right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a turnaround. I thank you for a promotion. I thank you for increase. You supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Those who came in here tonight anxious, I speak the perfect peace of God that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and minds, even now. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Total restoration. Renewed hope tonight. Strength that is found in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are good and you do good always. And we look to you again tonight. That's why we're here. To experience you, to, to love you, to experience your love for us. And to remind our, be reminded yet again that you who are in us is greater than he who is in the world. And that no matter what challenges, what obstacles, what hindrances we face in this world, none of it compares to the victory that we have in Jesus. So we go forth tonight in victory. We thank you for it. God bless the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Let them beat the Seattle Seahawks all over that field. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.